I think it's a little better than 50-50, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was just us. I, I would take the over. I, w- I would take, yes, someone else will go. Yeah, I would probably say no, someone else will. I would probably go with no. Mm. So, loser owes a beer. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> a, a well drink, as, as uh, Dr. Mike says. Howdy, everyone. This is Wednesday, February 8th, 2017, and this is episode 36 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? Not much. Happy to be here. As always. As always. So anyway, we had a a discussion last episode, or honestly, it's gone over the last couple episodes, about diamond status and, and comps and... Uh, there was a bit of hubbub in the online forums about the possibility of Caesars not re-upping with Founders Card, but uh, it sounds like that that actually has happened and people have actually gotten their diamond for this year. Do you have uh, want to talk about that a little bit, Craig? Sure. So there, it seemed like there was some, like you said, some nervousness about it among people who got Founders just so that they could get diamond status at Total Rewards. Mark C. in our Facebook group posted today saying that he has had his diamond status restored through January 31st, 2018. So another year, uh, everybody who did their two-year upfront payment for Founders Card uh, for 590 bucks or whatever it is, they are getting their full two years worth of, of diamond. So that's good for them. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything further you want to say? I mean, obviously, Caesars has decided to keep going with this and and decided that it's worth it to keep doing, which we were a little skeptical of, uh, maybe, maybe more than a little skeptical. Any, any further thoughts to add? I think we talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, I think we kind of hashed everything out. I mean, the one comment I had about lis- listening to the last episode is that and I even mentioned this to you after the episode. I'm like, did, did you manage to talk yourself out of your own position last episode? And because it sounded like you had, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because I went into the episode very much like, whatever, they offer it, you should do it. And I left the episode sort of like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> if, I, if I was a Diamond member, I'd be really annoyed. So that was kind of funny. But And then listening back, as I listened to like my reasoning, I was even more like, yeah, that is annoying. So uh, it's kind of funny. But uh, I mean, it's one of those things like, if they're going to offer it, you can't really blame people who take advantage. It's just like you got to decide whether or not the lines are worth it to you anymore or whether you want to keep playing to Diamond or if this, or if it's worth it to just pay the money. Uh, and certainly Caesars is, is giving you the option, which I think we both are now on the same page maybe that it's not the best idea. Uh, so the other thing that I thought was interesting is that Caesars sent a targeted offer to former Diamond members saying that if they signed up for a Total Rewards visa, or I think even if they already had a Total Rewards visa and just opted into this promotion, that they could regain Diamond status. So these are lapsed Diamond members. They could regain the status if they spent $5,000 by something like May 8th. So I think they have three months to do it. Uh, I think you had to opt in by February something. It might have even been today. Uh, And then you had exactly three months from that time to... Uh, to spend $5,000 on your credit card, totally unrelated to gambling spend, totally unrelated to anything else, just like 
basically make this your primary credit card. If you have any big vacation purchases or furniture purchases, do that uh, and get to $5,000 and you get diamond status back. And typically, uh, at, at least I think in the recent history of the Total Rewards Visa, it's been very much platinum. You know, you get you sign up, you get platinum. Um, I think maybe you have to spend like $5,000 in a year now to, to maintain your platinum status, which, I mean, if you're using it regularly, I would guess most people with a credit card spend $5,000 in a year. Um, but the thing that this got me wondering beyond just like, okay, here's another thing that they're doing uh, for former Diamond members is... We talked about the promotions. We talked about the uh, Quest for Rewards promotion where if you go to a bunch of different casinos, you get increasing amounts of tier credit bonuses. We talked about uh, last year there was that um, sort of fourth quarter tier credit bonus where if you got a bunch of tier credits in the fourth quarter, you'd get, I forget what it was, 25% or something of that toward 2018 tier credits so you'd sort of start the year with a bunch of tier credits because normally you start with zero and now here's this five thousand dollar thing for former diamond members uh people who either you know didn't gamble enough or have long since lapsed i mean somebody in the facebook group said they they haven't been diamond for 10 years and they got this offer uh and what it got me wondering is has caesars decided that Ushering a bunch of people to Diamond is a way to get short-term profit. And, and I, I had sort of looked at each of these decisions initially in their own merits. Like, clearly they see founders, they're getting enough from founders where a bunch of people are not probably not taking advantage of Diamond, so whatever cut they get is worth it. And then the promos, like, look at the promo very much, like, sort of in a silo, uh, to use an, an academic nerd term. Um but now I'm sort of thinking, like, all these things going together, it really seems to me like they are trying to make it easier to get and maintain diamond status, which to me indicates that they have whatever special sauce algorithm calculation that they use come up with the, solu the, the conclusion that having more people in diamond increases those players' loyalty, increases their play in the short term, and so there's, there's gains to be had by getting more people to diamond. Uh, do you think there's any merit to that, or am I just, you know, trying to find some sort of trend that's not actually there? I mean, when I think about it, that has to be what they believe. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Um, do I think there's merit to it? I think it's certainly possible. I know that... Um, I, I feel like I certainly played slightly more at Caesars when I was Diamond, but that's just because I enjoyed going to Diamond lounges. You know, we were staying there all the time because I had comp rooms and no resort fees. So it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I certainly expect that if if you're splitting your play and uh, amongst a bunch of properties, it entices you to stay and play at Caesar's properties. You know, go to the Diamond Lounge and get lunch. Go back to the casino and play. Uh, I think the lapsed Diamond members thing makes some sense because people who lapsed either are not playing that often, and if they take you up on diamond and don't play like what different don't you know go at all <laughs> and then you don't lose anything by giving them diamond but uh, any increase in play is sort of profit i mean obviously the risk is that they take free rooms and, and don't do anything um but it's not like seven stars where you have guaranteed free rooms uh I, I should clarify just really quickly that this promotion is 
targeted. You have to have received the email. You can't say, well, I'm a former Diamond member and I have the card, so let me do it. You actually did have to get an email. Um, but if it's still running, maybe try calling them <laughs> if you fit that criteria. Uh, I think the, the big thing, and not to get into it too deeply because we did talk about it last episode, is to me this is a short-term versus long-term thing. Uh, much like MGM's profit growth plan, <laughs> they're seeing very short-term gain, gains in uh, shorter pours in the alcohol, parking fees, increased uh, uh, resort fees. To me, ushering a bunch of people into Diamond and keeping them Diamond, because clearly if they were saying like this is a temporary thing, one year, if you like it, keep it, keep playing to get it, if not, you're out, because they're not doing that, because they re-upped with Founders Card. Uh, clearly, I think they think that this is a, a profit center for them. My question is, long-term, are they going to, A, piss off enough Diamond members that people take their business elsewhere, whether it's Borgata or Golden Nugget or um, you know MGM Properties in Vegas? And B, are enough people, this is exactly what you said last episode, so I'm just taking from you. <laughs> people going to say, I've been playing for years to get to Diamond. Why would I do this anymore when I can pay... 300 or $400 a year or get a credit card or do some promo and get to diamond without having to obligate myself to any nor any sort of set amount of play. Uh, you know, assuming that you're still getting a decent amount of comps you're, and what you want is things like diamond lounge and annual dinner and wave resort fees and, and all the other perks. So I'm going to, I have a pretty good idea of where you fall on this, but what do you think the, the long-term effects of this could be? I mean, I hear Han firing up his uh, email right now to send us an Instagram, but you know I don't have access to the data they have access to, so it's it's hard for me to say exactly. My gut feeling though is that um, I, I just don't think that this is a good idea. Like you said, like we were talking about this, it's possible that you know, as you get people into the ecosystem, you know, they'll use your casino more than competitors while they're diamond. But I really do think it waters down like what diamond means long-term. And I, I don't think it's a great idea, but again, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's possible that they see things and certainly there's going to be someone who gets diamond says, Hey, I really like this. And then they just enter the ecosystem and that might not have happened. Otherwise like that will happen. But I just think the damage to the brand of what it means to be diamond is going to be greater than that. Yeah, I think, and, and Michael Traeger in, in the Facebook group said basically that this is happening in, uh, airline rewards, hotel rewards. And basically you're seeing people realize that the, sort of first tier of, of elite status. So, and ignoring platinum because platinum doesn't get you anything. Yeah. Platinum is um, terrible. Platinum is actually useless. Yeah. And I even said in the Facebook group, I don't even understand why platinum exists anymore. If they're going to make it this easy to get diamond, um, which I say, but I don't have diamond. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, you're seeing this, this sort of, realization among people who get that first tier of status, whether it's diamond or whether it's, you know, with Delta or another airline or Hilton hotels or Marriott or whatever, that the only truly valued status is the top, top tier. Um, so, you know, seven stars, 
whatever i don't even know what the status is above black level at borgata <laughs> which should tell you how much i play at borgata uh you know those tiers are really the players who get all the perks i mean not all the perks but you know they are the ones that the, the company really cares about that's the person who they care about getting into the casino they will go out of their way to give you whatever room you want food and beverage comped all the sort of big player perks and diamond status they see as a marketing tool. And I think there's something to that. My concern about it in, for Caesars is that there's something to casinos that draws you in, that makes you want to feel like more of a high roller than you are. Um, and casinos are very good at giving you like just enough so that you feel that way. And so we've talked about, like, my Borg comps, which are not great. Like, I'll get $20 match play or whatever. But to me, I'm like, that's, wow, $20 match play. Like, that's pretty good. That's better than what I get at Caesars. So they're very good at making me feel like I'm, like, just a little bit higher roller than I actually am in reality. Uh, so I think the casino ecosystem, the casino sort of side of this loyalty deal is different than a hotel where it's just based on, like, how many nights do you stay? How many flights do you fly for the airline program? So I'm not sure this is the best idea. So my guess is short-term, definite gains, long-term, possibly a real problem. Um, unfortunately, executives aren't really paid to think about the long-term, so probably a good bet for whoever's in charge of this decision at Caesars. But uh, it's a little strange... Uh, but if you want diamond right now, it seems to be like the easiest time to get it. So a couple things. First, you didn't even ask me if I got this email, man. What's up with that? Did oh, I just assumed you didn't because I figured you would have told me. What what kind of a host are you? I actually have no idea. I get a lot of email from Caesars and I don't read very much of it. So I get a lot of credit card emails from them, though, specifically. So I, I suspect I did, but I'm not sure. Well, so if you had got it, would you have done it? Probably not. Just because you don't want to put in the effort? <laughs> yeah. I mean, A, it's like I don't need another credit card. B, like, it would be, I'd have to go way out of my way to put $5,000 on a credit card. And I know people like Eric and Andy are, like, pulling their hair out when I when they hear that. But Oh, yeah. Andy is, is throwing his phone against the wall right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think hearing this, but. I mean, but, uh, I mean, like, I pay in cash for. 90% of my purchases. So, which is very rare and, you know, someone who's looked at the numbers is saying I'm just leaving money on the table by doing that. Yeah, you just killed our friend Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I charge as much as I can. And I'm not a point turner at all, but cash back, travel points, I'll take those if you're given. It's like everything I buy is not is 98% of its actual cost because I get 2% cash back. Yeah. I also don't spend very much money in general, I'd say. So, I mean, I buy food, and that's about it. Save it for the casino. That's right. Oh, so if I can take a bit of a non-sequitur. So I think if we're kind of talking about, like, unsung heroes in the Facebook group, I think Mark C has to be up there. I think he probably, more than possibly anyone else, has given us story ideas. Would you agree or disagree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he gets mentioned. I think he's number one. Yeah, him and Eric are easily, like, top two yeah. in mentions. I mean, people, in, in shout-outs, you know, we give, like, Eric and Mike and, and Ed and people like that get, get a lot of shout-outs from us. But Mark C just quietly just churning out stories for us to talk about. Yeah, he's like our uh, reporter on the ground. Yeah, so 
big shout out to Mark C. Thank you for contributing so much to this podcast, whether you know it or not. <laughs> yeah, super helpful. <laughs> All right, we can move on. So um, we talked, uh, well, we've been talking over the last few episodes about uh, the Taj and the bill that made its way through the legislature in New Jersey that would prevent Carl Icahn from reopening the Taj unless uh, he made an agreement with the union beforehand. Um, And Chris Christie vetoed that, which I don't think is a huge surprise, but you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, this is the casino warehousing, license warehousing bill basically saying if you close a casino, you cannot reopen it for the next five years unless you have made a deal with the union. Uh, it was pretty clearly directed at Carl Icahn, who closed the Taj Mahal uh, during the local 54 casino workers strike. Uh, this So Christie vetoed it. Like you said, it's expected. I don't think this matters a whole lot for the Taj. I would say it matters zero for the Taj because they voluntarily gave up their license before this was ever decided. Um, so I, I don't, I guess the bigger question is, does this veto help someone in the future who might consider investing? Like somebody who might buy the Taj in the future, are they slightly more likely now to buy it because uh, this thing's been vetoed and, and taken off the table? Um, and I don't know. I don't know if you have any other opinions. I, I would guess it's probably not that big of an improvement because this law was never on the books. So it's just sort of keeping things the same. Um, but I don't know if you have other other feelings. Well, even if the law was on the books, it wouldn't affect someone else if they bought it, right? Well, it would affect anyone who had a casino license if they closed their casino. Sure. Okay, right. So it's if they bought it and opened it and then closed it and then tried <laughs> to open it again. I mean, I, I don't think that really affects anything. I mean, the only thing it, it affects possibly is if Carl Icahn was going to reopen the Taj, but it sounds like that is not going to happen. Yeah, and certainly Icahn tried to present this and... and arguably successfully <laughs> presented this as sort of another example of the kind of anti-business uh, atmosphere in New Jersey. Um, so I think for any prospective investor, maybe it's a, a perception thing. Um, but I think for any individual who's interested in it, investing, they're probably not thinking, well, if I close this thing and then I want to reopen it, uh, I can't have a deal. Like that's a lot of, <laughs> of, of factors yeah. that have to fall into place. Um, but I mean, I personally am, am glad that this thing didn't go into the books just because I think it's kind of a bullshit law. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have any other thoughts on it before we move on. So people in a union send all your hate mail to Craig specifically and not me? Yeah, which I'm, you know, like I said, I'm in a union. You're in a union, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here as a union crony who's like <laughs> reaping the benefits of unions and then ripping them apart. I'm not ripping them apart at all. I'm <laughs> most, I've, like I said, I have conflicted feelings, but... Uh, in this particular instance, I feel like this law was particularly bad. Uh, so the other thing is that Icon said that he is looking to sell the Taj. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to add. I know I think he said this even initially when he first gave up his license. He said, like, look, I'm, I'm looking to sell this thing. But I don't know if there's anything newer than that in terms of him saying that he is looking to sell. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, I... I threw this in there because I, th- I think it's good to mention because there were just a bunch of stories that came out in the last couple of days where he came out again and, and said that he is looking to sell. But as you pointed out when we were talking about it before the show, I mean, he also said that 
you know, has said that he's looking to sell Fontainebleau for five years more. Yeah, it's been Probably forever. More. Eight, eight years, yeah. seven, eight years now. It's been a long time <laughs> that that thing's been sitting so, there. Who, who knows what that means? But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, certainly if the plan was to reopen in the spring, we probably would have started to hear rumblings about that. So I, I would guess that that's probably off the table. Yeah. I mean, I think as soon as he gave up the casino license, it was like, well, that's done. Um, although I, obviously if he has the license, it probably wouldn't take too long to get him reapproved. But, uh, yeah, I think he is out of the Taj game. I mean, obviously still owns Trop, but probably will be looking for a buyer for Taj. And if we know anything about Carl Icahn, he's not going to settle for some lowball offer. So I wouldn't get your hopes up that someone's going to jump in and, and <laughs> buy Taj the Glenn Straub way <laughs> for super cheap and, and try to open it. But yeah, he's, he's certainly proven that he is willing to sit on a property for as long as it takes for him to get the price he wants. Yeah. All right, Craig, why don't you tell us about rally cross? So I know very little about Rallycross <laughs> other than that it was uh, held Red Bull Rally, Global Rallycross, a Rallycross racing event. It occurs on sort of off-road dirt tracks uh, built at Bader Field. This happened last year. Uh, I think it was generally considered a pretty big success, uh, something totally different for Atlantic City. Red Bull has announced that they are coming back uh, in August, so look for that if you're interested in sort of a crazy out-there event. Um, the dates are Saturday, August 12th, and Sunday, August 13th, so it's like a double-header sort of back-to-back -back days of racing um, in the dead heat of the summer. <laughs> uh, but if you're looking for something sort of crazy and interesting to do, I think it's probably pretty cool, uh, pretty cool live spectacle. Um I don't know very much about Red Bull Global Rallycross at all, but having gone to other sort of IndyCar uh, events, um, I think I've been to some other racing events, but the big thing that they seem to do well is accessibility. <laughs> so it's very cool. Like you can go into the paddock and see where the cars are and all that kind of stuff. I'm assuming this has a similar deal. Uh, so if you're interested in, in cars and seeing things go fast, it's probably pretty cool. Uh, and I don't know if, Check it out, August 12th and 13th. Other than that, I don't think we have much to add. No, it's always good when big stuff comes to Atlantic City, but I certainly don't have anything more to add. Yeah, and, and succeeds and comes back. I mean, that's a big, yeah. a big thing, so it's good to no, see there's, that happen. There's plenty of stuff like that. Like I know that this kind of thing has been big. Uh, they've actually done a couple of very successful like races, like both half marathons and I believe an Ironman event or at least triathlon that both have done well. So it's good when that kind of stuff comes to Atlantic City because it's the kind of stuff that Atlantic City should be doing. Yeah. I mean, we so we talked last time about conventions and stuff and big getting big events and how it's a little bit hard because of the airport not having a lot of traffic. But um, I mean, one thing I sort of want to point out about that, and I don't think a lot of people are flying in to go to this, but uh, – one advantage that Atlantic City has that Las Vegas doesn't have, and that's not to say that you know Atlantic City should be a bigger tourist destination than than Vegas, but there are just more people in driving distance of of Atlantic City than Las Vegas. I mean, New York City, Boston, uh, not Boston, New York City, Washington D.C., Philadelphia are all a very close drive, and that's a huge, huge population center of people who would never use the airport. So, I mean, something like this get people to drive out. Um, is, is is a good thing uh and i don't think this thing is focusing on the wider audience i think they just need to draw 
uh, enough of those sort of driving distance people to do it. So it seems like it's been successful. So hopefully other people can see this model, build on it. We get more of this kind of stuff. So I, I don't disagree with what you said, but I do want to say there are a lot of people within driving distance of Las Vegas too. LA and Phoenix are both humongous cities, but uh, there are certainly more people within driving distance of Atlantic City, though. You're correct. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference, not that we need to get into this too much, is like New York is, is a little over two hours away. Philly's like an hour or a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. DC's I gotcha. two and a half hours, three hours. I, I gotcha, so. I gotcha. The distance but of all those places also, is really concentrated. Something to keep in mind is that sort of what you presume to be normal driving distances or like that's too far to drive on the East coast. It's like on the West coast, it's not really applicable just because things are like so much farther apart on the West coast. That's a good point. I think like if you talk about driving four hours on the East coast, you're like, shit, that's a really long drive. But on the West coast, it's just like, that is how long it takes to get to the next city. Yeah. I mean, that's actually an interesting point. And which leads into another point, which is that people in New York, at the very least, are very used to taking mass transit, right? And there's, yeah. and there's not a direct train <laughs> from New York to, yeah. to AC. No. I mean, they had it, though, and it right. failed. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't people know. on the West Coast are not as much used to taking mass transit. Yeah. Because it is definitely not as good. Right. Uh, but, I don't know. <laughs> tap into yeah, the tap not. into the ton of people within two hours. Somebody figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, now that we've gone on a complete non sequitur, that doesn't matter. Uh, bubble craps, your favorite. <laughs> I've never played bubble craps. <laughs> it's like trouble. It is. It looks like trouble. Um, yep. It is. I think the real name is shoot to win craps. Uh, they've talked about it a fair amount on you can bet on that uh, yep. as craps players and. I don't think they play it too much, but their callers play it fairly regularly. So uh, Chauncey B three W O V on Twitter. Uh, hopefully, I said that right. <laughs> tweeted to us and to a couple other people that he saw, and with a picture, I'll link to it. Uh, that they were installing a shoot to win crafts machine in Wild Wild West, right next to Danger Arena, our favorite game of all time, um, and. Within the day, just within a few hours, it was already set up. Uh, not up and running yet, but but up enough that it looked basically done. Um, so the main question, of course, is would you play Shoot to Win Craps, or do you only want to play Craps in the table form of the game, the purest form? I have a couple things to say, none of which actually answer your question at all. Of course. One, this guy is awesome because Pygal Tiles is his picture on Twitter. What? I didn't even notice that. Come on, man. That's terrible. What? It's I so can't good. believe I didn't notice that. I feel and so he much. He describes shame. himself as a Tiles fanatic. Oh, that's awesome. Also, but but also just looking at that picture makes me be like, man, I wish I was in the Wild Wild West right this second. Yeah, it really does, and I don't feel <laughs> like that much affection for the Wild Wild West the way it is right now. I mean, I like it when it's lively and there's a band there, but like, right. oh, there's zero people in this picture, which is how long the list is half the time. Literally, literally zero not a person in the picture. Ah, oh, that's so there's great. There's only the electronic blackjack dealer. Uh, wow. Okay, good point. Um, I mean, it was. I think he sent it like early afternoon on a weekday, uh, yeah. which is about right for Wild Wild West. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I mean, do you want to? Do you want to play? Pop-O-Matic uh, craps? I mean, <laughs> the, the Wild Wild West. I, I mean, look, 
uh, I understand the allure. I think it's definitely not a bad thing, especially if it comes in at, at one or two dollars, which I assume it will. Um, you know, it's a little bit more accessible for people who are intimidated by craps. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a reasonable thing. Would I play it personally? Like, probably not, but five or ten dollar craps doesn't bother me at all whereas if i was more on a budget like i'd look at this as like a very reasonable alternative yeah so i i i looked at this and i sort of said like meh you know craps is a very social game like you, part of the excitement is you're playing with everybody at the table but then when i think about the potential of one or two dollar craps and we don't know what the limit is going to be on this thing uh just based on call- callers into you can bet on that it seems like sort of three dollars in that neighborhood is actually becoming more normal, which is a little strange because you can find $3 craps off strip um, at a real table. Uh, but when I think about like $1 or $2 craps, that's right in my wheelhouse, right? Like if you know me as a player, $1 or $2 yeah. game, I, I don't do have, have to deal with the chips and the math and stuff. This is right up your alley. See, It seems like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so we're basically guessing on the limits here. Uh like I said on Twitter, it's about 30 feet from a $5 craps table. Maybe 50 feet, <laughs> if we're being like generous. Uh, so I would guess that it does not have much of a market as a, as a $3 craps table. I would guess one or two, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I, I would definitely play it for a dollar. I don't want to sit there by myself and, and play craps at bubble craps. But uh, I'd be in, what, the one thing I'd be interested to see is... If you've got, you know, six people around that thing or have many people it can hold uh, playing at once, is there sort of an excitement around it? And if there is, like, yeah, I'm I'm into it and I would definitely play it. I mean, I did play like a couple hours of Danger Arena and I didn't even like it. (laughs) So I would certainly give this thing a chance. But um, it seems like people like it uh, a fair amount in Vegas. It's cool that it's finally coming. The thing I was actually shocked about is that it wasn't already in Atlantic City. I always sort of assumed it was. And then when uh, Chauncey on Twitter said, oh, this is the first th- uh, bubble craps in Atlantic City, I was like, now that I think about it, there is not bubble craps <laughs> in Atlantic City. So uh, I guess the other question is, will it go to Harrah's? Will it go to other C- Caesars casinos? Will it go elsewhere um, yet to be seen? I expect it will spread fairly fast. I mean, we've seen Danger Arena, uh, which is not good, already spread from... Wild Wild West Harris to uh, to Tropicana now has it. So uh, we saw uh, the horse game um, Royal Derby <laughs> uh, expand from, or at least get very quickly to casinos in uh, resorts and trop. So I expect this will go to more places. I expect trop will be the next to get it. Um, just as a wild guess, just because they're very... They're just they're machine. always the second to get anything. <laughs> except right. for Shack-Jack, which they were first. Yeah, but it's very machine... I think they're very machine-focused, um, which is maybe good because their table game pits are not the best. <laughs> uh, but I expect this thing to get pretty good traction in Atlantic City. So, I mean, just low-roller game, man. It's good. Yeah, no, can't can't be bad. Just just good to have another option there. Yeah, I'm inter- The other thing I'm interested to see is how it rates tier credit wise, because uh, I'm guessing there will be a sticker right on the machine that says like X number of dollars for X number what, of tier credits. What does it say for the electronic uh, roulette? 
That I'm actually not sure. And maybe you, there's you've not played a that sticker a on bit. that. I have, and may, and it's. I don't, there, I actually don't know that there is a, a clear definition on it. So maybe there won't be on crafts. I mean, I know there is on on Danger Arena, but I think that's just to clarify that it's way more than other slots. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't actually noticed on roulette. If anybody knows, let us know on the Facebook group. I expect somebody out there uh, has an idea or, ha- or knows or has a picture of it on their phone. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to know. Um, maybe they don't post it cause it's giving away too much of the special sauce, if you will, for, <laughs> for how they rate table games. But, uh, yeah, it would be cool to know. Yep. So I guess moving on, uh, there are a couple closings you want to talk about. Yeah. Disappointing. Um, closings, I think for us, uh, well, the first one, not as disappointing, uh, because we've never been, although I, it was one of those places that I kind of saw and saw and thought that's a cool concept. Looks cool. Um, good idea for the Claridge and, but I never really went or had even had it on my short list, <laughs> which was the twenties restaurant, uh, which was at the Claridge, I think got pretty decent reviews, uh, but closed just a couple of weeks ago, just out of nowhere, they posted on Twitter that as of right now they're closed. So that's gone. Um, so if you had that on your list, you have missed your chance no word on what's going to go in there. Uh, someone on the Facebook group mentioned that they apparently the twenties had just recently been told that they had to be open seven days a week. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, I didn't go and, and double check that and confirm. So, so take this for whatever it's worth. Um, so this is not like a, a journalistic, uh, <laughs> endeavor here. I didn't go and, and find out for sure, but, um, if that's true, I could certainly see where that would be a problem for something like Claridge that probably doesn't get very much foot traffic, uh, Monday through Thursday, but uh, a little disappointing anytime sort of an, a unique restaurant closes, uh, especially a non-casino restaurant. It's, uh, it's a little disappointing, uh, we talked about now it's a Radisson hotel at the Claridge. Maybe they'll put something else in there. Uh, hopefully not something totally generic like Radisson Cafe or Radisson Burger Co., <laughs> which I think segues us into the next thing. Um, well, just just quickly, uh, have you been to the actual like lobby of the Claridge? Because I don't think I ever have. We've stayed in the tower. No, but... because we just connected through Valley, so I've never right. been in the lobby. I've heard it's nice. I, I feel like we should at least poke our head in at some point. Yeah, I've heard that the that the work that they've done, I think it's TJM um, Properties that owns it. Uh, well, now it's Radisson. <laughs> it's a Radisson hotel. But uh, I've heard it's very, very nice. Like the lobby area and everything, the work they've done in the rooms is, is very nice. So we should check it out. It's cool, like old, old classic AC. Didn't get torn down to make way for a casino that never happened. Uh, yeah, it might be interesting to go check out. Yep. Uh, All right, yeah. keep going. So Bill's Bar and Burger, which we are both big fans of. Um, yes. Or were big fans of. Were, were before I stopped eating beef. But they had excellent burgers. Well, were before it closed also. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's closed and already has been replaced by AC Burger Co., uh, very originally named. It is open noon to 4 a.m., seven days a week. And sort of continues this trend at Harrah's and arguably throughout Atlantic City of moving away from named restaurants to generic, uh, I'm guessing, casino-managed restaurants. And 
you know, we saw this at Bor- Borgata's Marketplace. They replaced all the sort of name stuff with, like, a generic pizza place, a generic salad place, a generic burger place. Um, they replaced... At Harrah's, they've already replaced all the food court, the sack of subs, now as all generic stuff, although they are putting in a Starbucks in that food court at Harrah's. Um, so it's it's a little strange to me that this is the trend, because I feel like this is like old casinos, right? Like Vegas, this used to be Vegas. This used to be, and probably AC too, uh, a casino had a coffee shop, a steakhouse, uh, like a noodle place, and they were all just like, you know... A cafe. Yeah, a ca- yeah, cafe, coffee shop. Like, they mm. all just name of casino steaks. <laughs> name of casino right. cafe, right? Um, generic Asian noodle place. So, it's funny that we're seeing them go back to this. Uh, I don't like it. I mean, I... I, I don't like it because I liked Bills and I liked the stuff that was in the Borgata marketplace. I think the stuff at the Harris Food Court is fine. Like the donuts are fine. The pizza is fine. I just think it's really weird because it doesn't draw anyone to the casino. Like nobody is saying, oh, I'm going to go out of my way to go to Harris to go to AC Burger Co. Um, and I think even if it gets great reviews, it's going to be a tough sell. Whereas like Bills Bar and Burger had a little bit of cachet. There's one in New York. There's one in Pittsburgh. Um, it was good. It was, I think it was widely considered good. People on our Facebook group certainly seem to like it, but, uh, I don't know. Do you have thoughts on this weird trend of, of generic sort of taking names off of things and making it generic? I mean, I assume what's happening is that the casinos have decided that they can make more money by operating a restaurant rather than just collecting rent. But I don't know. It is, it is a little strange and, and just, Judging by the Facebook group, like, you know, people are apparently not happy. Like, you know, people who have eaten there say that uh, whatever the generic burger place is in Borg now is is worse than Fat Burger. And, you know, it's just people seem to not be thrilled with this change. So, but again, it's it's probably just a question that casinos think they can make more money just operating it themselves. Yeah, and, and there were at least three people in our Facebook group who said... When they got to AC, they went. Yeah, they to, went to Bills. They went to Bills and they got a burger and a milkshake. Like that was the first sort of thing they did, or there's something they made sure they did every trip. Bills was good. It was very good. Um, you know, I, th- I think the service was a little hit or miss, but um, it's it's disappointing to see this. I'm guessing that this is sort of a very mid tier focused movement. Like there's basically the draws, like things that get people to come to the casino, and that's going to be like what everything Borg has, right? <laughs> Wolfgang Puck, Old Homestead, Bobby Flay Steak. Uh, at Bally's, you've got Guy Fieri's uh, Chop House. You've got um, Buca de Beppo. Uh, Caesars has Morton's. Like those are the big names that are getting you in the casino. And you're saying, oh, where do I want to go? I want to go to this place named after a chef. Like that's where I want to go. Whereas they're probably seeing that something like mid-tier – um, and and lower clearly. I mean, I guess significantly lower. Sack of subs, fat burger, uh, all those things are getting stripped out and being replaced by by generic stuff. Um, which is a little disappointing to me, just because there was quality in in that in that tier. Like I think eat, like Bills was good, fat burger was good, and typically I don't associate like generic 
stuff with quality. And maybe it's, some of the stuff is very good. It's just it's got like that extra hurdle it has to get over for for my approval because I definitely go into it saying like, well, this is like Hera's shitty generic burger joint that they probably get from whatever like XL Food Service or Aramark or something. Right, <laughs> and, uh, Sodexo. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, you know, prove me wrong. I guess prove me wrong, Harris. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone has proved you wrong yet. So ever about anything. We'll see. <laughs> can, can I just something that that this is not on the agenda, but something that came up in the Facebook group. Uh, there was a an article in in Route Forty about the ownership change in Tony's. And oh yes, yeah, we should have. Yeah, that should have been on the schedule. I just want to say, I mean, I don't know if there's much to talk about specifically about the ownership change. It's just undergoing an ownership change. But it, it sounds like people who who are buying it, uh, the guy who's buying it, I guess his father or uncle has worked there for 30 years. So hopefully it's in good hands still. But I, I just want to say that in our kind of best of 2016 list for kind of cheap food, I think I, I completely forgot about Tony's. But for me, I, I feel like I would rank Tony's above uh, Harry's, which is what I selected for the best inexpensive, not Ooh, super fancy restaurant. Yeah. Tony's is very good. I mean, I think I I would need to go in not a more sound state of, <laughs> yeah, more, <laughs> more sound state of mind to, to give it a real rating. It's so quintessentially Atlantic City. I mean, it, it we is. walked it's in there. classic, right? Yeah. I mean, we walked in there and it was like, this is awesome. Like, this is... Yeah where I want to be like th- that's why I really want to go to Irish pub because I feel like it's it's similar type of thing like this is yeah we can do like we can go to Irish pub we can walk right across the street to pick a lily <laughs> yeah uh yeah I mean I, like that kind of stuff is just great um somebody in the Facebook group was saying sort of like 20 the 24 hour like food slash bar place which is you know Tony's I think pick a lily uh Irish pub, like that's a sort of a very Atlantic city thing. I mean, New York certainly has that stuff because 24 hours everywhere. I mean, New Orleans, there are those places, but like not too many places outside of Atlantic city and Vegas. Uh, and just like these huge drinking cities really <laughs> have 24 hour <laughs> places like this. Well, um, so it is very cool. AC should be more like those huge drinking cities, but that's a, a story for another time. Yeah. Um, but that was, so that was posted by route 40. The, the person it's nothing's finalized, but the person who is trying to buy it is the owners of wet willies. So both the wet willies, both right. at uh, the playground and at Tropicana. Uh, and like you said, uh, the, the father of the guy who owns wet willies uh, worked has worked at, uh, at Tony's Baltimore grill for a very long time. So, Another good article uh, to give Route 40 their credit because uh, they're that was another really good read um, and very cool because it's like a classic piece of Atlantic City. All right, so kind of on to some bigger, more meaty news. Even though we're already 45 plus minutes into this, uh, uh, so the the Casino Control Commission just came out recently and 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 ruled that yes, Glenn Straub, even though you are not going to be operating a casino yourself, you need to have a casino license, correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, no surprise really on my end. I know that he was really hoping that they would say no, <laughs> um, but the, the casino control commission said basically, no, if you own the casino, you have way too much stake. He said he was trying to argue. I'm leasing out most of the rooms I'm leasing out the entire casino. I'm not running it. I am just a landlord. Uh, they said that doesn't matter. Uh, we talked a lot about this over the course of, of previous podcasts and said 
and I think I said basically, uh, you know, the reason that this law is in place is that they don't want shady characters, if you will, having a a huge stake in a casino. Like that's the reason to keep them out. And so, to me, whether you are leasing it out and not operating the casino, like or running the casino yourself, you still stand to benefit a lot from the operation of a casino. Um, and if if you said, you know, if this was the 1920s and you were like, well, I own the casino as, you know, a mafia family, <laughs> to use the extreme example, but I don't run it, so it's fine. Like, n- people would just laugh at that, at, at that scenario. Um, of course, in Atlantic City in the 1920s, that would have been totally fine. Um, but... Not surprising, obviously a blow to Glenn Straub. He made all the the standard statements about how the state is messing with him and and making it hard to do business. Uh, Atlantic City's director of licensing and inspection, Dale Finch, uh, said that Ten and Glenn Straub don't actually have a mercantile license and have not had health inspections. So on top of this ruling... They actually can't even open anything right now. Like they can open, but they can't really allow people in. Um, What Dale Finch said was they can open the building right now, but they can't do business in it. Meaning they can't rent out rooms. They can't sell food. They can't do anything. Uh, So I think we said a couple episodes ago, like uh, what other things does he need? He has the temporary occupancy license. Well, now we know mercantile license, uh, health inspections, not done yet. We also know that no one else has actually applied for the casino license under this property. So whoever is going to be running the casino, which we think is 10, the company 10, uh, is they have not applied. So there's a lot going on here. It seems like they are not close to having a casino. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it does I don't seem know. that way. And, and so last episode, we talked about February 20th opening I think we were both said like slightly under 50%. I think you said yeah, 45 it's, it's, and I said it's, 40. It's certainly gone down pretty significantly since okay. then, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is 12, it's February 8th, so this is 12 days away. There's zero, I, I say there is zero chance it opens on February 20th. <laughs> um, and, and I hate to say it, but I'm getting more and more toward like, I don't know if it's going to happen. At all? At all under Glenn Strap. Maybe. Like I just, I think, uh, you know, maybe I'm just overthinking it, but I, I, I do wonder if his avoidance of the casino license is that he doesn't want to open up his books. He doesn't want to go through the investigation, which is normal. I mean, why do it if you don't have to? Uh, but I'm a little worried that he's going to say, you know what? I bought this thing for dirt cheap. I've added value just by bringing together the casino and the electric company, the uh, electric utility. Uh, and I'm going to flip this thing and let somebody else open it. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm really sort of losing my faith just based on the lack of ability to get paperwork in, like get in the casino license uh, application, get the mercantile license, get this stuff done. We haven't heard anything about what restaurants are, would be there. We haven't heard anything about bars, nightlife, nothing about like how soon the casino is going to open. Obviously they said Q1 of, of 2018. We are in, I mean, 2017, we are in Q1 of 2017 uh, and, and still no application even for the casino license. So I don't know. I, I'm really sort of losing faith in this thing. So I, I think in this case, I'm, 
sort of understanding of of both sides opinions like i'm understanding of the opinion that maybe new jersey is a bit overregulated, which is basically a viewpoint that was laid out in a column on nj.com uh where basically the the author of the column uh paul munshine uh writes about his experience in some other states and and essentially lays out why it's much better to have less regulation in this particular area than New Jersey has, which I'm definitely understanding of. And and something he mentions is like when he went in a gas station in South Dakota, you know, there was, there was a bar there, there was booze you could buy, there was a casino. And as someone who has lived on the, on the West coast, like that is something that just does exist out there. And just the difference between just the East coast and the West coast is, is dramatic in terms of what you can buy in a gas station. I mean, where I live in Maryland, you cannot buy, or or at least in the counties that I have lived in, in Maryland, you can't buy beer in a grocery store at all, which is, or, or at least very rarely, which is sort of crazy to me. So, I mean, I think it's possible to go too far. And then at any basic establishment that sells anything, gas stations, drugstores, whatever, they had any hard liquor you wanted when I lived in Arizona, which, uh, I mean, it didn't bother me, but some people would say that's going probably too far the other way. But, I mean, I understand the state's perspective as well. Like you said, they don't want shady people kind of owning casinos, even if they're not operating them which I don't think it's entirely unreasonable. I think it, it kind of brings up a bigger conversation, which it's going on now, obviously with the new administration and the talk on how much regulation is good. It, it's a broader conversation that's happening kind of around the country now, but I, I, I'm not sure. I understand the, the viewpoints from both sides. Yeah. So one thing in that uh, Paul Mulshine article, our column is that he mentioned that state Senator Ray Lesniak, who's a Democrat from Union County is actually attempting to introduce a bill uh, to say that casino owners don't need licenses if they are not operating the casino, uh, basically right in favor of Glenn Straub. Uh, that I don't think got introduced because apparently uh, Senator Jim Whalen, who is the former mayor of Atlantic City, would actually need to bring it to the floor. And I don't think that has happened yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of that. I think it's going to be a tough sell. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be... Uh, hard to get enough support for that big a change, um, especially because I'm assuming that existing players in Atlantic City are going to be like, no, <laughs> why would we allow this <laughs> to make competition easier? But I guess we'll see. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else on, on Straub slash 10? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. I don't, I don't have anything else. I think we can we can move on. Yeah, I mean, I guess are you... I mean, I've taken a very pessimistic turn here. Are you still thinking this thing gets open? He's he's put a lot of money into it. Um, Certainly, if he just decided to sell it, he could do that and make a profit. I think everyone agrees on that. But I still think he genuinely wants to open it. Like, that's still the impression I get. So I still um, believe it's going to happen at some point under him. But we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope he does. Like, I hope that it doesn't no, just no, get flipped. I, I do too. <laughs> and, and for all the things that, you know, everyone always talks about how Atlantic city needs new ideas and whatever, like he's certainly a better guy to do that than if he just ends up selling to, you know, a, 
whoever, hard rock, let's say, or, or, or whatever, you know, I, I think he is certainly more willing to think outside the box than anyone that he would sell the casino to. Yeah, I agree with that. I, um, I mean, one thing just you mentioned hard rock, I don't know how much value you put in this, but we, we had talked a few episodes ago when hard rock picked up uh, two of Borgata's executives and, and hired them. One of them was Joe Lupo, who was a vice president at, uh, at Borgata. And there was a lot of talk or not a lot, but a lot on, in our circle <laughs> on Twitter about where are these guys going? Are they staying in Atlantic city? You know, this is the market they know they're East coast guys. Uh, so Joe Lupo has, has moved to Tampa. So I was sort of under the impression, like, they're not just going to hire him and, and move him to Tampa and put him in corporate headquarters. But uh, apparently that's what's happened. That's not to say that he doesn't end up managing something in in the local market or using his knowledge of the AC market in the future. But uh, I think it puts a pretty hefty uh, damper on the rumor that Hard Rock is going to be somehow involved in in 10. Yep. Um I don't think we have too much else to talk about that. So let's talk about National Harbor. Sure. You went. You went to National I, Harbor. I did go. I went to National Harbor between the time that we recorded the last episode and the time the last episode got posted. So, <laughs> um, And your brother, Paul, actually went uh, last month, about a, a month ago. Um, do you want to talk about his trip a little bit? And then I can kind of fill in some stuff as well. Yeah. So just a quick sort of very brief trip report or his impressions he was there uh january 7th to 8th for the jim gaffigan show and then they stayed overnight he said it's uh much more similar to bellagio or the borgata in terms of neat looking interior exterior design and decorations uh the style and scale of the whole place it feels really big and bright and opulent and expensive like a vegas casino um, so I think that that sort of goes toward what we were talking about last episode, where MGM is really the spectacle that's going to draw people more than any of the other Maryland casinos right now. Um, and then, and it really fits in with the National Harbor being this sort of tourist destination attraction for for affluent uh, DC area residents. Um, he said the hotel room was nice. Uh, they had a capital view, which he said was a joke. Uh, because the capital's way off in the distance, which I believe because you're actually in Maryland. Uh, he said the staff was very friendly. He did try to do mobile check-in where you say that you're checking in through some app, I guess, and then you're supposed to get a text when your room is ready. That did not work. Uh, the notification never came. They ended up having to go back to the desk and, and asking, and the room was ready, and so they didn't get to the room until later than they wanted, which is kind of a pain. He said, which we, one thing he said that we've heard uh, quite a bit from people who have called in to You Can Bet on that is that a lot of the slots were jammed so close together that the backs of the chairs were practically touching each other. <laughs> so there were aisles of slots that you couldn't even walk through. So this is, I mean, that's kind of crazy. I guess when you, when you know you're going to be packing the place in, you, you put as many machines in there as you can. Uh, this seems like oversaturation to me based on this description. What what Mark and Dr. Mike said on You Can Bet on That is that, you know, casino layouts change all the time. They're constantly tweaking it, figuring out the best way to do it. So, you know, this could be changed in a few months and, and this is not a problem anymore. But certainly right now, I mean, I would be incredibly frustrated by that because one of the things I like to do is just wander around the casino. So, um, you know, looking for a machine or just kind of checking out the, the scene. And uh, I would be really annoyed about this sort of like 
idea that you can't even get to a machine or like you can't walk down certain aisles and going out of your way uh, that would really bother me but um i mean i think that's that's mostly what he said he he did say he was kind of interested to see if this is going to draw him to go more often to national harbor or if he still is going to feel like borgata's more of a, of a vacation since he's much much closer to national harbor um and i guess on, only time will tell how he feels on that but interesting to hear perspective of of someone i know and, and know how they feel about casinos he's certainly much more on the like wants to go to the nicer end of the casinos borgata <laughs> uh, nicer places in vegas and uh this met his approval um whereas i think you and and i also are much more in the like the divey side we like resorts we liked atlantic club you like Harris <laughs> las vegas uh so give us your impressions of this big opulent mgm national harbor it so uh, I think the the what I posted on the Facebook group, sort of right after I went, is that it's incredibly nice and you shouldn't gamble there. But we can kind of break this down a bit. A bit. Uh, just one thing: uh, the the comment about how the slots were jammed so close together that the backs of the chairs were touching each other. That that is a hundred percent true. I mean, I, I think that one of the surprising things is that the casino is not all that large. I don't think it's. I would guess, I don't know what the square footage is, I'd guess it's smaller than both Horseshoe and Maryland Live. Wow. Um, and, and it was, stuff was definitely packed in there. Huh. Um, you, could, you can look that up if you want. I, I could be totally wrong. But uh, it, it, it is not as big as I would have guessed. Um, but yeah, it, it's really nice. It's, it's certainly much nicer. Well, it's nicer than Maryland Live and Horseshoe, which I actually think both of them are, are pretty nice casinos. So I think we're a bit lucky that, you know, obviously casino gambling is new in Maryland. So all of our casinos are, are fairly new, or at least the, the three big ones. Uh, a couple of the other ones, like, you know, I've been to Ocean Downs and Ocean City, which is not really a casino as much as a horse track that they've jammed slot machines into. But most of the, the casinos that they've built are obviously brand new, so they're quite nice. But this this is a, a notch above the other two, um, you know. So what what happens is when you kind of walk in from the the parking garage, you can kind of it, you can think of it as a circle. So you can walk to the center of the circle, and that's where the casino is. But all along the outside ring, or at least the outside ring is half of the casino. It's all shops and restaurants, and sort of like the way you would see in Las Vegas, right? Where they like all the big casinos have like, Hey, here's kind of our shopping section where there's food and high end shops. And it's exactly that way at MGM national Harbor. And also like, like Vegas or like the nicer properties in Vegas, everything in this area is very expensive. So this does not sound like it's in your wheelhouse at all. I have to say, (laughs) (laughs) um, it, it, it was very nice. Um, I, I didn't actually eat anything there. But I would be interested to eat in the cafeteria, though even the kind of quote-unquote cafeteria food, the, the food court food there, was was pretty expensive. Um, but, I, I mean, if I go back or when I go back, um, I will try something there and, and see how it is. But uh, to the kind of gambling portion, uh, one more thing to mention before I get into gambling is also like some of the Las Vegas casinos, it, we went on the weekend of the... Chinese New Year, which is obviously a gigantic gambling weekend for all the casinos. And they had um, something like you would see at 
Bellagio or Borgata. They had in the hotel lobby kind of some ornate uh, displays kind of commemorate, commemorating the, the Chinese New Year. And I suspect it's seasonal like the ones in Bellagio as an example are. And they'll put different stuff up throughout the year. So that was a nice touch, I thought. I thought it was it was pretty and it was cool. And they had a, a couple art pieces as well, which I imagine are just gonna gonna rotate out uh after you know the Chinese New Year season is over and something else will rotate in. Um so to get to the actual casino, uh limits were quite high. Um blackjack was all six to five and it was $25. There were a couple tables that were three to two at the back that were $50. Uh, this was on a Sunday at like noon. So not, I mean, like I said, it was Chinese new year, so it's probably a bit busier than it would be on any other random weekend, but it's was Sunday during the day. So it shouldn't have been super, super busy. Um, I expect that's basically what the limits are right now there. Uh, as time goes on, they'll probably go down a bit. Um, craps was $25. All of the carnival games were like $15, like, you know, let it ride three card poker, stuff like that. So it, it was very pricey and, uh, the odds generally across the board, anywhere they could skimp, they did. Like I said, blackjack is six to five there basically everywhere except in the back where they probably assume people won't really go, uh, at the craps table. They, they had the lower payouts for the all tall small which is uh, like 30 to one and 150 to one. They had, you know, it was three, four, five odds, which didn't really affect me there because it was a $25 table. <laughs> so it was quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a great place to gamble, honestly, unless you, yeah. Gamble. So I don't know. What other questions do you have about it? Uh, well, really quickly, I, I looked it up. It's a 135,000 square foot, uh, casino. It's actually a little bigger than horseshoe, which is 122, um, mm. but smaller than Maryland live at 160. So yeah, Maryland uh, live is big. I'm yeah. surprised horseshoes that that's small. I mean, it's the footprint is obviously smaller, yeah. but it's two floors. So, all right. Fair enough. It's certainly, it's certainly much less. It's certainly much more packed in than Horseshoe is. Like, you know, Horseshoe feels like a normal casino to me where you can move around. It was it was packed in National Harbor. Not necessarily with people, just with machines and stuff. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying sort of makes me... I mean, obviously, they sort of realize they're, it's this big new property. It's not a lot of competition around as far as, like, big... Uh, being the, the biggest, craziest, nicest thing they, around as far as casinos go. Um and they know that and they're squeezing every penny that they can out of it, both in terms of the limits, the rules, uh, the density of, of machines and tables and everything. Um, how much did you end up playing there? Um, so it was, uh, my wife and I, and my father-in-law ended up going uh, just for a couple hours. Um, so I basically just played craps for a few hours and I actually taught my wife how to play too. And I oh, think nice. she actually quite enjoyed it because she usually plays like, uh, before she met me, I'd say her favorite game was roulette and she would play some blackjack as well. Um, and I taught her since I've met her 
Pygao poker, which she likes a lot. And then so this time I, I taught her craps and I think she actually really enjoyed that. And just knowing, you know, her, I suspect that craps is something that is right up her alley. So I think that that's something she'll be interested in playing in the future, especially if it's a $10 table instead of $25. Yeah. So how did you play a $25 table? Did you do two times odds or? <laughs> yeah, it was, I'd usually do between two and three. I, I did $60 a lot for odds or occasionally I'd do 75 depending on what the number was. But um, yeah, so between two and three. And I would put Sardio on the six and the eight normally. And that's about it. You know, occasionally I put a, you know, make a $5 bet on a hard way or something, but too rich for my blood. I was, I was certainly more conservative on the table than I, than I am at a, a five or $10 table. <laughs> right. Obviously. Uh, I mean, I think that's pretty much all I have for MGM national Harbor. I have to say, I mean, my, my family lives in Prince George's County, which is where. Right. Your family lives five minutes away from where I live now. Uh, right. So it's it's not that far uh, when I go down, but I just can't see myself making the trip. I don't really have a whole lot of interest. I've never been to Horseshoe. I've only been to Maryland Live once, and I think I put 20 bucks into a slot machine. Um, like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, the, that's like, all you do in Atlantic City, too. So. <laughs> I play a little more than that. Redeem your uh, offer. Yeah, redeem my offer. Get out of resorts. Um <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't see. There's not a whole lot of draw for me. I mean, part of it's that I have to drive past Atlantic City. Like I see the exit for Atlantic City on the way down. So it's like, why would I go there when I can go to Borgata? Um, but I do think there are a lot of people who are going to be in DC saying, "Why go to Borgata when I can go to MGM National Harbor?" Uh, which I think we we covered a little bit last episode. But uh, I don't know. Do you? I think we said that this thing's going to make a lot of money and, and might take business away from Borgata. Do you have any revision yeah, it, of that opinion or is that still it's, where you're it's going to make a lot of money? I think it's, I mean, it was certainly reasonably full for, especially considering what the limits were. And I'm sure that that weekend was incredibly expensive to get hotel rooms and stuff. Um, like I said, it, it's a beautiful property. It's got nice views. It's, it's really nice. Um, I do think it, it, it is going to take some market share from Borgata, but you know, like, like I said last episode, I think also like maybe some people from this general kind of Northern Virginia, Maryland suburbs, Washington, DC, who might not necessarily be huge casino gamblers now could get into the system and then end up going to Borgata some as well. Yeah. I mean, if you gamble a bit at MGM, at MGM national Harbor, you get a free room at Borg for a couple of nights and you say, Hey, I'm going to take a vacation. Like that's a, yeah, it's a good good deal, and maybe it'll it'll have a little bit of that. Although I expect it will be a net negative <laughs> for, for Borg. That's my guess. All right, I think uh, just to make a bit of an announcement, which is something that you know we hinted at in the pre-show of the last episode. Uh, I think Craig and I have decided on a date for our next Atlantic City trip. It's going to be kind of the night of March tenth. Uh, which is a month away. It's a Friday night, as is our our norm. Uh, I don't think we're going to do a formal meetup this time, A, because it's a bit of short notice, and just B, because it'll be nice to have kind of a trip where, uh, honestly, at least for me, we don't have to do a formal meetup, and you know we can just kind of go there and, and 
relax and and gamble. But however, if you are interested in joining us, you know, please come to Atlantic City. We'll tweet out where we are. We'd love to to meet you, even if we're not having beer pong or whatever. Um, but you know, something that's come up it, because you know your brother is also interested in, in going uh, with us on that date, and you know, he obviously wants to stay at Borgata, as we've talked about. Something for me that just like especially after going to national Harbor and seeing how all the blackjack was six to five when at both horseshoe and Maryland live, that's not a thing. You know, it's just, I, I, I know that it's kind of been slowly permeating into both of us, just like how bad MGM is going to be for Borgata. And I think just going to national Harbor really hammered that home for me. And like, for me right now, like if I'm going to be honest, like I don't know if I have any desire to go to Borgata at all like even to visit right now wow um so that's gonna that's gonna make a tougher sell because my brother and i have been sending back and forth itineraries uh potential itineraries and (laughs) and look like here's here's the thing like i've told you many times privately and probably publicly on the podcast it's like you have to have stayed at borgata at some point (laughs) i mean it's it's ludicrous that you have not stayed in a hotel room at Borgata. So I certainly, you know, encourage that. And, you know, if you're going to play some on Friday at Borgata, I, I will come out and meet you there. Just if, if it were just me in Atlantic city, like I would not go to Borgata on this trip. Yeah. So it's interesting. Cause I sort of had the same sense of just this dread about the changes coming to Borgata. Um, and I was really sort of feeling not necessarily that I had no desire to visit, but that I really didn't feel like, I should give a lot of play to some place where I feel like, you know, a couple months down the line, I'm not really going to want to keep playing there anymore. Um, but uh, the more I think about it, the more I sort of think like, A, I've never stayed there. B, I really like Izakaya. I really like um, some of the other restaurants and, and bars there. I want to go to B Bar. Um, right. And, and that's something that's way more important to both you and Paul than it is to me. Right. And then even, you know, I keep harping on the good tables, like, it's still the best service <laughs> as far as state dealers and everything in Atlantic city. Yeah. I mean, well, we I, have heard some unofficial reports in the Facebook group of that, that might kind of be changing, but yes, as, as far as I'm concerned right now, that is true. Yeah. And, and to me, the rules changes would certainly be a big downer. Obviously if they changed the video poker pay tables, it would be a big downer. Um, and that would be a big deterrent, but nothing would deter me more than, if the service sort of drops to the level of and not to say that the service is necessarily bad at, at like Caesars, but you know, if those two things are equal and the, the gambling rules are worse at Borgata and and right now they're not, but this is just sort of hypothetical down the line, then I wouldn't go to Borgata anymore. Like why would I go to Borgata when I like the boardwalk. I like Caesars and and the lower table limits at, at Bally's and resorts and stuff like that. Um, when the big draw to me of Borgata is like, it's just a good gaming atmosphere. Like you take that away and you lose it. And I think there are a lot of people who are going to say, I don't care about that because it has the best restaurants and it has, you know, old homestead and Wolfgang puck and Bobby Flay and the new Michael Simon place. And it has Izakaya and it has the best shows and it has the best nightlife and all that stuff. Um, although that's arguable. Uh, so maybe I'm not the target market. I mean, I'm, I doubt I am because I'm a, a low, super low roller, <laughs> as we've discussed. But um, 
That would be the change that would be the most devastating to me is like, oh, now the dealers are surly or whatever, which we haven't seen. Like, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. Um, my brother is very much of the opinion that as long as it is still nicer than the next nicest thing and still, you know, the value that I would get out of the trip is is better than the next nicest thing in Atlantic City, I should go to Borgata and, and give them which, my money. But- when you brought that up to me, just by the way, I, I agree with them. If you think that it's the nicest, you should you should go there, even if you're not happy with maybe the direction it's going. Just if you will get the most enjoyment from being there, I, I think you should go. So does that so does that mean that you do not get the most enjoyment from being there? Well, I mean, I think the kind of other thing to take into account is that, you know, Perhaps if I only looked at the present and didn't consider the future at all, is it possible that I could still get the most enjoyment at Borgata? Yeah, it, it might be. I mean, it, it could be, but just, you know, for me now, it, it's just like all I feel when I think about Borgata is like dread and like this knowing that this is not going to be as good in, in a couple months. Yeah. And if that doesn't kind of color the way you see things, then I, I think you should go to Borgata. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time not letting it color how I see things. I mean, I was right. very I much... I mean, it's the same for me. I was very much in that boat before well, I, before I, I mean, started I talking to my brother. <laughs> something else is that, you know, obviously with us both being low rollers or at least, you know, not high rollers, it's... you And we talk about comps a lot, like... A, like, Borgata does not comp very well when it comes to rooms and stuff already. And, like, B, like, one of the reasons that we select the properties that we gamble at are because of comps. I think that's undeniable. And if part of the calculus that we're doing is selecting a property to play at or to be at because of future comps, like, you have to take the future into account, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and that was certainly why I was very psyched up for a resort strip. I was like, I'm going to stay yeah. at resorts. I'm going to play a bunch, see what happens to my comps. I bet it'll go to, you know, maybe not seven nights a week, but more consistent six nights a week and, and better play and better food offers and all that stuff. And it'll be cool. And so I was very much like that was where my mind was at. And then as I sort of talked out itineraries and like we could do this and thought about like, ooh, Izakaya, Sunroom, <laughs> B-Bar, all those things. I was like, yeah, maybe I do want to go to Borgata. Um, so, so I'm. You, I will say you should stay in a room once. Yeah, and and I think so. It's sort of a it comes down to like, am I willing to sacrifice like one trip where I'm not really looking toward that future of like what I'm going to get long term um, to have the the Borgata experience for once, which I've never had. Right, uh, the full Borgata experience where I stay there and and play there and do all that stuff. So. Um, I would guess right now that that's probably the way I'm leaning for this trip. I think the room rate it depends a lot on the room rate because right now I can supposedly get resorts comped on that Friday, and it looks like Borgata is going to be in the 200 plus range. Um, obviously, splitting it with with my brother, but uh, I don't know. I I think that's where we're, we're going. Um, which brings up the next point, which is. I think most people, when they go with a big group, they kind of all stay in the same hotel. They get a, several rooms together, try to get on the same floor even. And 
and we are don't necessarily do that. I think we sort of try to stay in, or, in the general I, area. Let's, but let's be clear here. I think that I don't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, everyone else in the group, I think, generally huddles around. But part of that is that we do companion codes and stuff like that, and and the way we get the best deals is having multiple people in one hotel, whereas you oh. can get your own comp room. So well, let me kind of pressure you a bit on that because I, I still don't entirely agree with, with what you're inferring. Uh, I think that for the rest of the group, Dave, Taylor, Andy, and you, like I suspect that you all would prefer if everyone was in the same hotel. Yeah, I think it's generally preferable. I think there's a stronger preference for other people in the group. Like I'm, I would prefer it, but I'm not like dead set on it. I think other people in our group would very, very much prefer it and think it's ridiculous that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so explain yourself, Kyle. Look, I don't have anything against it. Like I'm happy to stay at the same hotel as everyone else stays in if that's the hotel I want to stay in. But just for me, like I don't feel, as you put it, I don't feel obligated to stay in the same hotel as everyone else because Atlantic city is not all that big. It's not hard to meet up with people. And if, if for whatever reason I, determine that I want to stay somewhere else just to kind of stay there, which I have the last couple trips we've taken because in the last two trips we've had, I did my first stay ever at, or first stay in a long time at Tropicana and my first stay ever at resorts. And, you know, I thought that for me personally, both as uh, the host of this podcast and just for personal curiosity, like that was worth, a lot to me. So I wasn't going to go out of my way to not do that and just stay at Caesars or Bally's like I've done a hundred times in the past. Yeah. I mean, so I think I'm interested to see if other people feel like, no, you need to stay in the same hotel. Obviously the benefits are that it's much easier to sort of move in unison. If you are all starting and ending at the same place. Um, I think there's also the benefit that, at the end of the night, it feels less like the party is ending if someone is not saying like, oh, I'm heading back to my hotel now. Or if you're everybody's at one hotel and a big group of people leave that hotel and leave somebody behind like that's <laughs> I think that's another advantage. Um, but in general, I mean, from a purely practical standpoint, everything is close. You cab places and it's, you know, you if you split a cab, it's a few bucks. It's not really expensive. Like, I think I very much have it in my head that you go to one casino and you're there for a few hours. You, it's, you can't just hop and hop and hop. And that's not true at all. Like, if you want to go to a casino for an hour and you want to split a cab, a five-minute cab ride for, like, three bucks each and go someplace else You want to go to resorts hour. for 15 minutes and right. redeem your comps and then leave. <laughs> exactly. You should do that. You should <laughs> do that. <laughs> Podcast recommendation. <laughs> do for a win recommends. Yeah. Even when we stay in separate hotels, we tend to at least do like marina or boardwalk, right? So this trip potentially could be you on the boardwalk and, and me and my brother on the marina at Borgata. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did a little bit of like mental gymnastics about like, oh, what does that mean? You know, what would the itinerary be? What, you know, do you – does it mean that we sort of have to have a boardwalk day and a Borgata day? Well, so here's here's kind of another question. I wonder what my rates are at, at Golden Nugget. Yeah, sure. You should look. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll be more than free and I probably won't stay there. But if it's, 
cheap, which it won't be because I don't have any play history there. It would be something I'd consider because that is the only place that I have not stayed in Atlantic City. Yeah, that is the only place I haven't stayed in Atlantic City. So that would be of some value to me. Yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked if it's cheap. I, I would almost guarantee that you end up at resorts. I agree with that. I mean, I also have comp room at Tropicana as well. But but you don't I, like Tropicana. I prefer resorts to Tropicana. So uh, I think it's quite likely. I It's also possible that I get comp rooms at any of the three Caesars casinos at some point between now and then, even though I don't have them right now. But right. I, I think I also at this point prefer resorts over them. So, Oh, wow. So I don't know. I think that's most of it. Uh, like you said, we'll tweet where we are during this trip. We'll probably have yeah. at least one, if not two more episodes between now and then. So yeah, probably, we'll talk more probably about two. It. We'll probably try to do like a week and a half schedule, I guess now to get a couple episodes out because else there's going to be some weird gap in there. But uh, to be clear, just, I know I opened this by saying we're not having a meetup, but still, if you're going to be in Atlantic city, we would absolutely love to meet you. So uh, if, like I said, even if we're not having a big kind of beer pong party, we could, you know, meet up at the bar or at the table and, and, and chat a little bit about Atlantic city. Right. So we will definitely do more meetups in the future, but for this trip, I think we're just going to tweet where we are. We would love to play uh, craps or pie gal or whatever with you. If you, if you end up in the same place, um, if you are looking to not gamble and grab a cocktail, I'm, I'm probably your guy, <laughs> not Kyle, but, um, and then I, I may end up there later. I expect I'll end up there later than, than you and probably even my brother. So if it gets into like Saturday evening, I expect I won't leave till after dinner. So if anybody is around and wants to shoot some craps or grab some food or whatever, I'll keep tweeting where I am at. Um, so certainly don't take this as like, you should hesitate to come up and say hi. <laughs> certainly, you know, we'd love it. You can look forward to that March 10th to 11th. So, uh, is there anything else to talk about, Craig? No, I think we're ready to wrap up. So, I know we mention the Facebook group quite a bit every episode. If you're interested in joining some good, high-quality Atlantic City conversation, uh, join us at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, you can find all of our content at doforawin.com. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play to search for Do For A Win or Atlantic City. And you can reach out with questions to Craig at Do For A Win on Twitter or send him an email at doforawin at gmail.com. Uh, any last words? No, thanks for listening, and good luck if you're headed to the casinos. Yep, we'll try to uh, get another episode out for you guys in, in a week and a half or two weeks, and we'll talk to you then. The post-show is just going to be raw audio of Isaac crying. <laughs> That's it. All right, I think he's he's done. <laughs>